Good evening. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. Oh, I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And this is <clears throat> number one, the Revelation series, number one, Fire Blazing Eyes. And we are going to go through the whole book of Revelation. And we did this in Sunday school last year. And we're actually going to do it, read the message translation, but you can look at any translations, fine. But this is a particular, uh, a, a neat, neat translation to read for Revelation. But this book is so relevant for today. What do you think? I, I agree. Obviously, this is, um, as we read through the rest of the New Testament, we see mostly things that are current and things that are apl- applicable currently or in Acts, things that happened historically that we can we can learn from. Revelation takes part in the future, our future. And I think... And it could be very near. It could be very near, because just look how fast things have progressed since COVID. I mean, the world is changing so quickly that you need to know Revelation. Yes. Everybody needs to know this. And I think you need to know it not only... Not only so you can see, see, I told you so, because you see it, but also so you recognize the things that are happening and the fulfillment of God's word. Prophecy is always fulfilled in the Bible. We always see it come come to fruition, and it happens just the way it's said, no matter how strange it sounds at the time of virgin birth. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> all of those things sound strange at the time, but we see that all come that all but biblical prophecy comes true. Now, I'm... Currently on my own reading Daniel right now, which has a lot of stuff to do with Revelation yes, too. It's going yes. back and forth. So from ancient Babylonian uh, kingdoms through John here writing in Greek, I found this interesting. Um, the word revelation, mm-hmm. the Greek word is apocalypsis. Okay. Which is apocalypse, mm-hmm. you know. But apocalypsis means revealing or an unveiling. It's not the same way we would use it. Right. So apocrypha is something hidden. Apocalypsis is a revelation. Oh. So when we think about the apocalypse, the apocalypse is simply a revelation. Mm. So, I don't know so cool. let's, uh, at least this episode, mm-hmm. I'm going to read the first chapter, Revelation, and then Shannon and I are just going to talk about it. And I know some people avoid Revelation because they're afraid of it, because there is a lot of crazy stuff that no one can satisfactorily explain. Mm. You know? Yeah, Revelation is one of those ones. There's a lot of um, visual things that are described. And, and if you think about it, if it's something that's going to happen in the future, um, when I was... 15, I couldn't have described the internet to you. No. But here it is. Yeah. And we're asking John to describe things from possibly Thousands our of years time. ago, yes. So he may have put them into terms and, and related them to things that he understood. But the first time a European saw an elephant, I'm sure the description was unique. Yes. I saw an etching once that a, um, a famous German artist did based on a description mm-hmm. of an elephant. Mm-hmm. It looked just like a rhinoceros oh. with armor on it, mm-hmm. which was... Oh, I've seen that picture. Kind of an interesting yes. one. He was described... Someone described an elephant to him. And that's what he got. Yes. Yeah. 
So, well, anyway, okay. so, so here we go. So what we're going to do is Jane's going to read it all the way through, and then we'll hit it back. First yeah, just verse. the first chapter, not the book. <coughs> first She'll chapter. read the first chapter, and then we'll hit verse by verse after that. All right, here we go. Chapter 1, A Revealing of Jesus, the Messiah. God gave it to make plain to his servants what is about to happen. He published and delivered it by angel to his servant John. And John told everything he saw, God's word, the witness of Jesus Christ. How blessed the reader, how blessed the hearers and keepers of these oracle words, all the words written in this book. Time is just about up. I, John, am writing this to the seven churches in Asia province. All the best to you from the God who is, the God who was, and the God about to arrive. And from the seven spirits assembled before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, loyal witness, firstborn from the dead, ruler of all earthly kings. Glory and strength to Christ who loves us, who blood washed our sins from our lives, who made us a kingdom, priest for his father forever. And yes, he's on his way. Riding the clouds, he'll be seen by every eye. Those who mocked and killed him will see him. People from all nations and all times will tear their clothes in lament. Oh, yes. The master declares, I'm A to Z. I'm the God who is, the God who was, and the God about to arrive. I'm the sovereign strong. I, John, with you all the way in the trial in the kingdom and the passion of patience in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of God's word, the witness of Jesus. It was Sunday, and I was in the spirit praying. I heard a loud voice behind me, trumpet clear and piercing. Write what you see into a book. Send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, I turned and saw the voice. I saw the gold menorah with seven branches, and in the center the Son of Man, in a robe and gold breastplate, hair a blizzard of white, eyes pouring fire blaze, both feet furnace-fired bronze, his voice a roar, right hand holding the seven stars, his mouth a sharp biting sword, his face a blinding sun. I saw this and fainted dead at his feet. His right hand pulled me upright. His voice reassured me. Don't fear. I am first. I am last. I'm alive. I died, but I came to life, and my life is now forever. See these keys in my hand? They open and lock death's doors. They open and lock hell's gates. Now write down everything you see, things that are things about to be, the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven-branched gold menorah, do you want to know what's behind them? The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The menorah's seven branches are the seven churches. That was chapter one. Mm. What do you think about the impression of the Son of Man in this, or Jesus? Well, I'm going to get to that in a little bit. Let's just just go back a little bit. First of all... Uh, revelation itself mm-hmm. is a revelation of Jesus. Jesus himself is talking to John. Right. Through the angel. They sent the angel to tell him these things. But this is a revelation from Jesus. If we look at the other res- revelations in the Old Testament from the prophets, the, not the revelations, excuse me, the prophecies from the mm-hmm. prophets in the Old Testament, those prophets were talking to God. Right. This is Jesus talking. Mm-hmm. 
But who is also God, but Son of God. Yes, yeah. but this is specifically says Jesus. Right. A revelation of Jesus. So Jesus is telling John to tell us those this things. This stuff, yeah. Right. And we know uh, all biblical historians agree that this is the disciple John. Right, the disciple John. This is written John. by the disciple John, right off the And bat. so he's like really old when this, <clears throat> this is written. And he's exiled on the island of Patmos. Patmos, yeah. Yeah, and this this is something we have to remember um, because just like Revelation is in the future and it's in the present as well as we go through these things, we'll see that. But it's also um, another way of showing that Jesus is involved. Oh, now yeah. And is going to be involved. I've got a quote here from Spurgeon. It says, The great fault of many professor professors is that Christ to them is a character upon paper, mm. certainly more than a myth, and yet a person of the dim past, a historical personage who lived many years ago and did most admirable deeds by which we are saved, but who is far from being a living, bright, present reality. Mm. I love verse 7 in this. Okay. Because it goes just right along with what oh. you said. And yes, he's on his way. Riding the clouds, he'll be seen by every eye. Which... John didn't need to say that because he already knew those things because Jesus ascended in the clouds and said, I'll return the same way. Yeah. So John knew that was coming, but he said that. He also said it was soon, soon. shortly to take place. Um, but yeah, coming from the clouds. And this is, <clears throat> again, this is John who, as an apostle, as a disciple, uh, the writer of the Gospels and one, two, and three, John. This is a man who could speak with a lot of authority. And yeah. the humility in this, I think, is beautiful. Yeah, it is. The humility in this. He's not standing there pointing his finger at us. He's talking, this is what I'm supposed to tell you. I'm just going to give you the words. And then he even, in verse 17, <clears throat> he says, I saw this and fainted dead at his feet. I mean, I, he's scared. Okay, I want you to step back a little bit. Read, okay. num, read verse three. Read verse three. How is that out there? Oh, it's a cat. Maybe we shut the window. How blessed the reader, how blessed the hearers and keepers of these oracle words. All the words written in this book. Time is just about up. And one of the beautiful things that John says here is how blessed are the readers. He did not say how blessed are the understanders. Oh, that's right. That is good. <laughs> There's a lot of things in here that I do not understand, and I don't think I'll understand them until I see them happen. Yeah. And then I can put context or whatever. My brain can wrap around it. But it is a blessing to read Revelation. And I think it is a shame that people are so afraid of it that they don't. Could you read that verse 3 in another translation? Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those keep the, those things that are written in it. Right. The time so who, is near. So those who read and those who listen hear. to it, yep. hear it. Yep. Yeah, it never and says understanding. Yeah. that are written in it. In other words, you don't have to necessarily understand it, but recognize it. Mm -hmm. Know it. Because when the time comes and you see it, then you'll know. You'll need to know it. That's you'll what, need that information. When we studied in Sunday school, that was that is the one thing that I felt was really important because the more you're familiar with Revelation, even if you don't understand it, when it does happen, you can say, ah, oh, that's what he meant. And I think so many people are afraid of it because some things don't necessarily make sense to them. Yeah, well... Even the writing, the way it's written, yeah, it's not 
chronological. Right. Which can be very confusing. Yeah. It's not the way we normally would tell right, a story or talk or explain something. In one of the later chapters, it's talking about Jesus' birth. It goes so back that, and forth. It, yeah. So it's, and that in and of itself can be uh, a little off-putting, but don't be daunted by Revelation. No. Don't be afraid of it. Don't don't worry if you don't understand it. Just get into it and and digest it and chew on it and think about it and pray about it because there's a lot of good stuff. And flat out, John says, you will be blessed. Yeah. That's, so, so why not? Right there. What else do you need? Just be. You're going to be blessed if you read it. You might not. You probably won't understand it. Just know that. I don't know anybody really un- understands it. You know, if someone says, I understand Revelation, this is what it means. I just don't even listen to that person because truly it is such a, is so full of drama and full of mm-hmm. visions and crazy, crazy visions. But I, um, I like how Jesus said also, he commanded John to write it down. And then he wanted all the churches to see it. Mm-hmm. And so this is a really important, I mean, Jesus wants us to read this book. He wants us to hear it. So you're listening right now. You just heard chapter one. And and when we started this series, which was a few minutes ago, um, <laughs> 13, and 30, 13 minutes, 36 seconds ago, I think it's, I, I think both of us agree it's really important that you actually hear the whole book. Yes. And so if you stick with us through the next few weeks or whatever, we will read the entire book, but you don't have to wait for us. You can get a Bible right now and start reading it. It doesn't take that long. There's 22 chapters, but the chapters are short. It's not like uh, a novel, you know, it's, you know, the chapters are a few paragraphs. Some of them are longer, but I mean, they're, it's from a, a good book. From a scholarship standpoint, I just want to bring up something. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Enduring Word, and they have uh, a commentary here. And yeah. they say that there are there's a lot of controversy about Revelation. Right. And there are four different ways people look at it. Okay. There's a Preterist view, which means this only applies to stuff that was John was talking about in his current day. There's the his, Historist view, which means it's talking about the pure church age. Oh, okay. It's just the church age. It's not anything beyond that. There's a poetic view where it's just really beautiful allegories and and descriptions, but it's not realistic, uh, literal stuff. Um, it's 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 describing things that are not literal, but are just a way of poetically describing them. And then there's the futurist view, and the futurist view is the approach that. From chapter 4 on, everything in Revelation is going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think everything has got some truth to it. Yes. I it was, is very poetic. Yes. There is, it is very descriptive. It's a poet. It's you a could book of poems. sit down. Well, you could sit down with a canvas and paint because he's so descriptive. Mm-hmm. Some of the things you don't understand, you could draw that picture, though. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't understand it. Right. But if you draw exactly what he says, I mean, it's very poetic in that way. Um, it is everything that's we're going to read about the churches here is applicable to every church that ever existed. Mm-hmm. The letters to the seven churches is always applicable. It's applicable right now, even if um, the futuristic stuff didn't happen in our lifetime. The writings to the churches are very pertinent mm-hmm. today. 
And they were when they were written. And there is history involved in all of this, too. The history of the church is there. So I think all of these things take place. Um, But I I lean towards the futurist on the majority of it. I I do, too. That it's stuff that's going to be coming. But I also mean, I also believe that um, if God tells us we're supposed to read it and we're going to be blessed by it, there's blessing to come as well as the things that are to come. Right. I have a little quote here. Um, this is uh, from Eugene Peterson, his little, mm-hmm. a little bit of commentary on Revelation from him. Mm-hmm. It says, it's generally agreed that Revelation has to do with eschatology. That is last things, mm-hmm. d- dealing with future, eschatology. What's frequently missed is that all the eschatology is put to immediate pastoral use. Mm-hmm. eschatology is the most pastoral of all the theological perspectives showing how the ending affects the present in such ways that the truth of the gospel is put to the test in life in the middle like right now he was just talking about uh, before that he was talking how this is the last book in the bible and it kind of wraps up the whole bible we mm-hmm. see the ending how it's gonna and when we know the ending the other stuff will make sense when we see the ending and, and you if you Listen to my sermons, you'll hear me say that a lot. Yes. We know the ending of the story. We know the ending of the book. But it's also interesting to me that a lot of mainstream churches, you will never hear a sermon based on Revelation. Right. They avoid it. Um, I read the Anglican Church uh-huh. specifically. Doesn't in their, do that? In their book of orders, as uh-huh. they go through the year, they do not touch Revelation. Oh, that's too bad because there's so much good stuff. It is. But um, some people are intimidated by it. And well, yeah. unfortunately, they're pulling the blessing away from people. Which is, again, why, as a pastor, I can tell you flat out, I can't possibly tell you everything you need to know. I can't possibly read everything out loud to you that you need to know. Mm -hmm. You have to read it for yourself, and you have to get into it for yourself. Don't wait for somebody else to tell you. God already told you. Go look yourself. Right, right. And this other thing about how this is the last book of the Bible, it will wrap everything up, and it's like... What people say, like, well, when we get to heaven, we'll understand why such and such happened. Mm-hmm. So the ending brings meaning to absolutely everything mm-hmm. of life. Right. And so that's another good reason to read Revelation. But I just... Let's let's go to verses 4 and 5. Okay, four sure. 4 or 5, 8 or something like that. Go ahead and read that. Okay. I, John, am writing this to the seven churches in Asia province. All the best to you from the God who is the God who was, and the God about to arrive, and from the seven spirits assembled before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, loyal witness, firstborn from the dead, ruler of all earthly kings, glory and strength to Christ who loves us, who blood washed our sins from our lives. So right there we have several descriptions mm-hmm. of Jesus there. Grace to you and peace from him. Mm-hmm. Grace and peace from Jesus. Jesus wants me to tell you these things. And he says, grace, grace and, peace. and peace. Yes. It's not John saying grace and peace to you. Here's what I'm going to say. It's Jesus says grace to peace from him. Yeah. And it says who is, who was, and is to come. Okay. There's there's three descriptions. Yeah. Right? It says uh, the faithful witness, mm-hmm. firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Yes. And the one who, I love that. Read the oh. second half of five. Who blood washed our sins from our lives. I love that that uh, translation in yeah. the message. Who blood washed our sins. 
Yeah. This is Jesus talking. I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who saved you. Yeah. I got something else to say. Yeah. I like that. Oh, I do too. I, oh, I do too. This is such, I, I'm glad. I love how this book was written because I love this very first chapter. I mean, it's all focused on Jesus. This is, this is what it's all about. This is what the whole Bible was about. The beginning, we know, uh, we know from, uh, Revelation or Genesis, Genesis 3 that Jesus, God will send the woman's seed and there's only been one woman's seed in all of eternity and that was Jesus. In and the beginning. at the very beginning. And yeah. then throughout of all the Old Testament prophecies, you know, they didn't quite understand what they're talking about, but then Jesus came and they're like, ah, this is what it was. And here we have him here right now. I mean, he's, he's about to arrive even now, even when I'm saying this, he's a, he's on his way. He's on, he is waiting at like, I sometimes think he's waiting at the door of heaven because he even told his apostles in Acts one, think, or no, before that, even I don't know, even I don't know when I'm coming back. Only the father knows. Only the father knows, which is amazing. And so he, I think sometimes maybe he's just waiting at the door of heaven. Like, can I come now? Can I go now? Can I jump on my horse now and come on down? I yeah. mean, there's got to be that because it, we are his bride. I mean, you know, when you when you uh, flew up to New York, upstate New York, to marry me, your bride, you're probably excited, weren't you? Oh, he's he's thinking about it. Okay, let's go on. Fear and excitement are so similar. <laughs> Well, Jesus has no fear. Of course, I was excited. Yes. Oh. All right. So let's let's move up then. Let's move to seven, where we start okay. talking about the description oh. of Jesus. Oh yes. Because everything John's saying could have been whispered to his ears or put in uh, put into his hand to write up to this point, but now we get our first vision. Well, this is the we part. Get our picture. And yes, he's on his way, riding the clouds. He'll be seen by every eye. Those who mocked and killed him will see him. People from all nations and all times will tear their clothes in lament. Oh, yes. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Every eye will see him. Every eye. Even those who pierced him. Every eye will see him. Those who have intentionally veiled their eyes will see him. Those who yeah. have denied him will see him. Those oh. who... Those who have accepted him will see him. Yes. And I think everybody, there'll be a little bit of mourning in everybody. Yeah. I think even the believers will say, oh. Why didn't I do better? I did this to him. Yeah. I did this to him. Well, I see him with, I see him with the wounds. I see the, yeah. That, that is a reason why we got to tell people about Jesus because when this moment comes, it's too late. Mm-hmm. This is, it's too late to say, I accept you, Jesus. I will I believe in you dying on my sins. It's too late. And that scares me sometimes of people I love who have not, who refuse to accept him, who have turned their back from him. If, if this, cause this could show up while we're doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't think so, but you know, he could come back tomorrow. We don't know when he's coming back. I mean, we both might be in heaven when he comes back. We don't know, but you don't know when you're going to die. Mm-hmm. One of us could die tonight. One of you who's listening could die after you hear this. I mean, you don't know when you're going to die. And once you're dead, you're dead. And 
your choice has been made by you. So, I mean, even if he doesn't come back for thousands of years, there's still that uncertainty of when we're going to die. And this is, I guess, reading this book will reminds us how important it is to urge people to accept accept him. And like Peter says, um, the Lord is not slow. Yes. Not slow in fulfilling his prophecies, as some would say. Right. But it's a mercy to us. That he hasn't we come have, back yet. We have chances. We yes. have the opportunity. Um, that's a blessing. Uh, I want to read a parallel verse to what yes. you just said. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, 30, uh -huh. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Wow. Yeah, that was just like and that. like you said, that is the end. Yeah. That's the Omega part of the next verse. Yeah. Oh, you want me to read that? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. And <clears throat> when Eugene Peterson uh, translated the message, I know some people say it's a paraphrase, but it's translated because he went to the original languages. Mm -hmm. He translated it into American English. So in other translations, it says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, and those are the Greeks for first and last. Well, here he says, I'm A to Z, because that's mm -hmm. uh, the alphabet, American yeah, the Greek alphabet. Greek alphabet, the last letter in the Greek alphabet is the Omega. Yeah, so here it is. The Master declares, Jesus declares, I'm A to Z. I'm the God who is, the God who was, and the God about to arrive. I'm the sovereign strong. I am the Almighty. Oh, ooh, that's just powerful. Just powerful. And... The word almighty that, that, that's used yeah, um, from the ancient Greek is a word called pantocrator. Uh -huh. And pantocrator means the one who has his hands on everything. Wow. The almighty is the one who has his hands on everything. Yeah. Well, Jesus in Colossians says Jesus is the one who holds all things together. Mm -hmm. That includes me and you, mm -hmm. our cells and our bodies. I mean... The universe... The spinning of the world, the, the orbit around the sun, the air we breathe, the galaxies, the fact that everything is dancing on the pin of a needle right now just to keep it all going at one time is an absolute amazing thing that it's, you know, any scientist worth his salt would look at the things that he knows and goes, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Look at the cell structure. Look how cells cells live and how they, how they survive and. Look at how a plant cell is different than a, an animal cell. Just amazing stuff. That is amazing. Okay, so moving on to nine then. Oh, okay. So it says, I, John, with you all the way in the trial and the kingdom and the passion of patience in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of God's word, the witness of Jesus. And he was exiled there. My trans the translation yeah, I'm looking at says, I, John, both your brother and companion, and the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the that on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He is there. Um, it is he's there as a punishment. Yeah. He's basically imprisoned mm -hmm. on this on island. Patmos, and it's not a nice place. No, this is this is a this is a work a, colony. He's it's in. not a tropical island with drinks. And... No, this is this is a. It's like an Alcatraz island for yeah. the Roman Empire. It's far enough away that you can't swim away from it. And remember, he so, is an old man, so, so he's got to yeah. be in pain. I like the fact that it's described here as Alcatraz, like an Alcatraz. And Alcatraz, 
was is a an island off the coast of San Francisco that was a federal prison because with the shark infested waters in San Francisco Bay, you cannot swim from the prison. You wouldn't have to put a, a fence up. Oh, because You'd if die. they tried, you yeah. would die. They do it. They do it Alcatraz, but Patmos, um, the Romans used it as a prison colony. Yeah, it yeah. was only ten miles long and six miles wide, and it's very rocky. Oh. And but it does have marble. Oh, so, so the prisoners were actually forced laborers in mar marble quarries oh. while they were there. That's what they were doing. They were mar they were quarrying marble, marble out for the Roman Empire. Yeah. But since you couldn't leave any other way, let's just fill it full of prisoners. Yeah. If you want to eat, you work. Yeah. If you don't want to mm -hmm. eat, fine, die. But this is where they put them. And then it says... Uh... He was praying. It was a Sunday. He was in the spirit praying. I heard a loud voice behind me, trumpet clear and piercing. Write what you see into a book. Send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. I turned and saw the voice. I saw a gold menorah. That's that Jewish candlestick. Mm -hmm. Just in case someone doesn't know. With seven branches in the center, the son of God or the son of man. In a robe and gold breastplate, hair a blizzard of white, eyes pouring fire blaze, both feet furnace-fired bronze, his voice a roar, hmm. right hand holding the seven stars, his mouth a sharp biting sword, his face a blinding sun. No wonder he fainted dead at his feet. I mean, he was overwhelmed. You know, I, Even from the very beginning, it says, I was in the spirit mm -hmm. on the Lord's day. He was praying and was... Deeply filled with the Holy Spirit at the time. Yeah. And he heard a loud voice like a trumpet saying. Yeah. That would jar you. Right. But a loud voice said to him, I am the Alpha and the Omega. What you see, write it down. Yeah. Okay, that's not a request. Yeah. <laughs> I will, yeah, I'm, hey, let me find a piece of paper. Okay. And then he tells him to write it down and share it. Yes. And that is why it's in our Bible today. Yeah. It's because it was meant to be written down and shared mm -hmm. so and then i want to just so he's saying all that and then mm -hmm. the very last part of 20 it says the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches the menorahs seven branches are the seven churches and so the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches angels are also it's another word for messenger mm -hmm. and so very likely most people think this is are the pastors of the seven churches the messengers of the churches yes yeah. So they were sent to the, the heads of the churches who were supposed to share it with their church bodies. And also, I think they probably passed them around, you know. And I mean, that's the that's the historist part of that is that, yes, it was sent to those churches and that stuff was going on. But we also have to look at the in the context of uh, biblical numbers. Seven mm -hmm. is, is the number of completion. It's the number of completeness. Yes. So those letters are to all churches. Right. Those letters because are to the seven churches, but to all the churches. And he did not send an individual letter to the churches. He sent the book to the churches. Yeah, right. The book of Revelation went to them. So they each got to read everything about everybody who was talked about. Right. So it's this is not, oh, it doesn't apply to me because this is from somewhere else. Um, well, and there had to be more than seven churches. Yes. You know, so these right. were just seven churches representative of all churches, and it is even now today, because each of these seven churches will find um, well, our next podcast. They all have their individual strengths and weaknesses. Right. 
that's just an interesting little yeah. trivia if you ever want to know about this. Yes, I do. Paul's letters yeah. was written to seven different churches. Oh, wow. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Thessalonians. Hmm. Interesting, huh? That is Whoa. interesting. Anyway, so uh, any last moments here about this? Because I think we can close for our first episode. Well, again, the number seven comes up. Mm-hmm. I just want to bring that again. Okay. Um, seven lampstands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, everything is in sevens here. But it said, in the midst of the seven lampstands was one like the Son of Man. Jesus was called that often. Yeah. Like the Son of Man or as the Son of Man. He, that, he was referred to that in Daniel, where I'm reading right now in Daniel. It talks to, I see someone yeah. as the Son of Man. So, um, yeah, Daniel then, and Revelation are very connected. But then he describes, physically describes him. Yeah. Clothed with a garment down to the feet. And girded about the chest with a gold band. Mm-hmm. Now that sounds different um, as far as, but those long gar- garments like that mm-hmm. uh, were were only worn by people of authority. Mm-hmm. Those prisoners would have had very short stuff on. Right. If you were of authority, you would wear floor length stuff because it didn't matter if you got dirty. Mm-hmm. You weren't going to be working in it. Right. You know, physical labor, things like that. And the band around the chest goes back to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's part of those descriptions. I always found this interesting. His head and hair were like white wool, as white as snow. Yeah, like, did he have white afro? Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's but what I think. <laughs> if you, just for a description for people that aren't familiar with sheep, you see sheep in the pasture and they're gray. Right, but they're dirty. But when you... Take the fleece off. Yeah. The inside is just beautifully pure white. Right. Because it hasn't, because the rest of it is thick enough to keep the dirt yeah. on the outside. So when you wash wool, so you're really white. just washing the outer layer right. because the inner, but it's, it's just amazing because we don't picture Jesus like this. No. Any picture we have ever seen is of course someone's interpretation of what a Jewish man from that time period would have looked like because there's no, nobody right. took a photograph. Right. But Jesus always was olive-complected, dark hair, dark beard, and he says... And that was probably very true back then. Head and hair were like white wool, but it also connects back to God. Yeah. And that white wool thing. Yeah. Uh, white as snow. It talks about antiquity. Mm-hmm. Jesus has been here from the beginning to the end. That's right. So I had thought about that. that. Yep. And he has eyes of fire. And his feet are like... Furnace fired bronze, so very mm-hmm. brawny. Yeah, and brass is a metal that's connected with judgment and sacrifice. Mm. Israel's altar of sacrifice was made of brass. It's oh. called the brazen altar. Mm. The brazen altar was brass. The altar of sacrifice was that. His it's a face, very strong metal. And his face is a blinding sun. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my goodness. He was definitely not any wimpy guy. His voice as the sound of many waters. If you've ever been around a Niagara substantial Falls. a substantial waterfall, not even Niagara Falls, but any substantial waterfall, it's, loud. it's deafening. Yeah. You can barely talk to each other around it. And it says in his hand, he had in his right hand seven stars. You talked about that. Yeah. 
again, seven, seven, but in his hand, again, there's that sovereignty. Yes, that's I right. hold you in my hand. Yes. And next time when we start, or in the future here, when we start talking about the letters to the churches. Yeah. And understanding that you are still in my hands right now, yes. I think is very important. That is important. That's good. And the other image that is interesting, mm-hmm. and it talks about how uh, the out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Okay, so this is just me and my in my mind. My yeah, my weapon mind. Um, a two-edged sword is a heavy sword. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Right. It has to be thick enough to have two edges that can hold up to combat. So it's a big, it would big be a sword. big sword. No, it wouldn't be a little thing. Now, I, I remember being at Sturgis and there was one, I, I was lifted all the motorcycles when I was working as a, as a cop out there. And there was one that came back every year and I had some conversations with the guy that, that wrote it. His tank was painted with this image. And there was actually a sword sword? coming out of his mouth. Okay. Now, was there actually a sword coming out of his mouth? Is he carrying a a sword in his teeth? Um, Is the sword his weapon? I don't know. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that John saw the, the sword. Yeah. But he heard him speak, and he knew the penetrating power of the words. Right. The words would cut. That goes back to Hebrews 4.12, where it says the word of God is living and active, sharp as a double-edged sword. Right. So I don't know. I guess I can't say for sure. I suppose it, I kind of think it was his words that were sharp. Spurgeon says, there is no handling this weapon without cutting yourself. Mm. For it has no back and it is all edge. You can't grab a hold of a two-edged sword and just mm. grab it in your fist. You're gonna. There's no way to grab right. it. And he says, as... as um, Oh, I had it just here. Uh, oh, the word of Christ somehow or other is all edge. Mm, mm-hmm. It will cut. Mm-hmm. One way or another, it's going to cut. Right. And he is shining like the sun. In all, what a day. In all of its In all of its greatness, it is. So. Wow. Well, anyway, right. doesn't this get you excited about reading Revelation? It's a great opening. I yeah. mean, oh. if you ever tried to write at all or ever if you remember your English classes from high school or college if you went and they're telling you you're going to write something you have to capture your audience in the very first paragraph you need Mm -hmm. to have an opener that's boom and makes them want to read the rest of it this is the opener I think he just did it I think John John writing Jesus' word did it right there he laid it right on and I hope you listen to all these because boy like we said or Jesus said you'll be blessed to hear all this, so... One last thing. Okay. Read 17 through 18. Okay, 17 through 18. I saw this and fainted dead at his feet. His right hand pulled me upright. His voice reassured me, Don't fear. I am first. I am last. I'm alive. I'm dead. But I came to life, and my life is now forever. See these keys in my hand? They open and lock death's doors. They open and lock hell's gates. When John is writing this, he goes, I fell fell at his feet as if I was dead. Mm-hmm. He just passed out. Yeah. Which, honestly, 
I probably if you're on your way to work tomorrow or church tomorrow and you're driving down the road and all of a sudden it's in front of your car, might knock you down. Yeah. But he said, but he laid his right hand on me. Yeah. Jesus laid his hand on him and said, don't be afraid. Yeah. He didn't just say, don't be afraid in that big Hollywood voice. He put his hand on him and said, don't be afraid. Yeah. He's still. You know me. I was the first and the last. I was the one who lives now, was dead, and behold, I'm alive. You yeah. remember me? Yeah. John, you sat next to me all the time. Yeah. Don't be afraid. I have something to tell you. That's really Jesus good. Jesus' latest. And that like is that. the personal touch of Jesus that is so unique to Christianity. Yeah. While God loves us, God did not reach out and put his hand on anybody. God said, you can't see me or you'll die just by looking at me. Mm-hmm. And John sees this and goes, oh, it falls over. But then Jesus, the Jesus part of God reaches out and puts his hand on him and says, hey, you know me. Yeah. I am who you, I am who I am. And you know who I am. I think that's just absolutely beautiful way. Yeah. For John to describe this and, and for him to let us understand this is a scary thing. But mm-hmm. Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. Yeah. It's just me. I've got the keys to everything. I am in control of everything and I want to talk to you. Mm. What a cool thing. The yeah. king comes down, the king comes down and says, Hey, let's have a chat. Mm. I want you to write some things down for me. I'm going to dictate a letter. How cool is that? Yeah. That's really good. What a great opening. Yeah. We'll hey, see you in the, the future. Yeah. And we'll continue so. with this. All right. Bye.